But Samson lay there only until the middle of the night. Then he got up and took hold of the doors of the city gate together with two posts and tore them loose, bar and all. He lifted them to his shoulders and carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. Sometime later, he fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sarek, whose name was Delilah. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, See if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him so we may tie him up and subdue him. Each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, Tell me the secret of your strength and how you can be tied up and subdued. If you take your Bibles, please turn to Judges 16 and uh, also in your bulletin for your convenience. Judges 16, before I, before I begin reading, a uh, hundred years ago, as uh, critics uh, approached the scriptures, especially the uh, Old Testament, uh, they said uh, it cannot be God's word, it cannot be inspired because it's so clumsily written. And that was what the best minds studying the scriptures uh, thought about it. Best minds being secular scholars. At that time, it was mostly uh, universities in Germany, which was where higher learning was taking place. Uh, today, uh, critics approach the scriptures, the Old Testament, and they go, it cannot be true and it cannot be God's word because it's so beautifully written and so well written. And it's, it's funny how a uh, hundred years ago it's clumsily lit written and then today it's too well written. Um, your Old Testament scriptures are extremely well written. Uh, each word chosen with care to fit into the text. And uh, in the Samson story you see some of that and you'll see some of it in chapter 16. And uh, the name Samson means son. Uh, Hebrew for Samson is Shimshon, Shimshon. And the Hebrew word for the son is Shemesh. And so Samson is uh, like the son of the son or, or a little son. That's uh, what, the, what the name sounds like and what it means. And uh, in Judges chapter 16... Uh, Samson runs into trouble at night. You see it in verses 2 and 3. Uh, verse 1, he went to spend the night here. They surrounded the place. They lay in wait at the city gate at night. They made no move during the night. Samson lay there until the middle of the night. And then in the middle of the night he got up. And so the sun is out at night when he shouldn't be out. And uh, then Delilah, the name Delilah, sounds like the Hebrew word for night. Hebrew word for night is Layla. It's spelled exactly like Delilah except for the duh at the beginning. And so this chapter is about the son, Samson, who gets in trouble at night with the person who is named Night. Uh, beautifully written and uh, the Hebrew, uh, Hebrew people, as they wrote, love their little plays on words, and it helps advance the story. Uh, Samson shouldn't have been out at night. He shouldn't have been with Delilah, the person named Night. 
He should have been living for his God. Uh, that's, uh, you see that in the names. You can't see that in your English text. Let's pick up where... Um, well, before we pick up where uh, Jim led off, let me make some comments about uh, verses 1 and 2. Verse 1. Samson went to Gaza where he saw a prostitute. Gaza is the capital city of the Philistines. He sees a prostitute. He goes there to spend the night. Doesn't love her. That's why he gets up in the middle of the night to leave. Right? If you love her, you stay. He doesn't love her. So he gets up in the middle of the night to stay. The Philistines go, here's our opportunity. Samson's here, we're going to trap him inside the city, and he'll be caught. And of course, Samson should never have been there, should never put his life at risk, but God is using his foolishness and his sinfulness to deliver his people. In verse 3, he got up, took hold of the gates of the, the doors of the city gate, together with the two posts, that's the post the doors are connected to, tore them loose, bar, the bar is what goes across the doors to keep them locked, and all. He lifted them to his shoulders and carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. Um, Thirty miles as the crow flies, or 50 kilometers. Uh, that's quite phenomenal. Uh, my son and I went uh, backpacking once in Algonquin, and uh, I had a 50-pound pack, and I later learned that that's too much to carry. And uh, the first day, I had planned to go 25 kilometers, and uh, that's what we did. We did 25 kilometers up and down hills uh, with my 50-pound pack. On day two, we decided not to go anywhere but stay where we were. Uh, I later learned, Don Cressman told me, that scouts, when they travel, go about 10 kilometers to 10 miles in a day with a 25-pound pack. Uh, a 50-pound pack, 25 kilometers, is quite hard. That's simple compared to what Samson did. Taking the city gates and putting them on his shoulders and dragging them 50 kilometers, uh, it's just astounding. And phenomenal. And I'm sure the people of Gaza woke up the next day where are our gates. And I'm sure they're thinking, oh, we probably took them a couple hundred yards away. And so I'm sure they're out in the fields looking behind trees and looking in the bushes for their gates. They never would have found them 50 kilometers away. Quite, quite the feat. Notice with me verse 4. Sometime later. He fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. The Sorek River kind of runs from Israel into Philistia. And the valley of Sorek is kind of the northern end of the Philistine territory. He fell in love with her. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, See if you can lure him, trick him, or seduce him into showing you the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him so we may tie him up and subdue him. Each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. 
There are five rulers of the Philistines. They have five major cities. 5,500 shekels of silver. Notice she doesn't give a response. Verse 6, Delilah said to Samson, tell me the secret. She doesn't have to say yes or no. Of course she's going to do this. Tell me the secret of your great strength and how you can be tied up and subdued. Um, he shouldn't have been there in the first place. And then he should have run away at this point. How can I tie you up and subdue you? What is that secret? Verse 7, Samson answered, If anyone ties me with seven fresh thongs that have not been dried, I'll become as weak as any other man. Now, I don't know why he is dishonest. <laughs> he doesn't want to give up his secret. Seven fresh thongs. Verse 8, she sent for the fresh thongs. The rulers of the Philistines brought her seven fresh thongs that had not been dried. She tied him with them. With men hidden in the room, she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He snapped the thongs as easily as a piece of string snaps it when it comes close to a flame. So the secret of his strength was not discovered. Then Delilah said to Samson, You've made a fool of me. You lied to me. Come now. Tell me, how can you be tied? He said, if anyone ties me securely with new ropes that have never been used, I'll become as weak as any other man. So Delilah took two new ropes and tied him with them. Then with men hidden in the room, she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. But he snapped the ropes off his arms as if they were thread. Delilah then said to Samson, Until now, you've been making a fool of me and lying to me. Tell me how you can be tied. Now, by the way, he is lying to her, and she is lying to him. <laughs> right? Two people being untruthful. Or two people using each other to get what they want. He replied, If you weave the seven braids of my head into the fabric of, on the loom, tighten it with the pin... I'll become as weak as any other man. Sounds almost ridiculous. The Philistines bought it. And the reason why they bought it was they believed there's some kind of magic involved. And with magic, if you do the right thing, you get the, you get the desired results. And so they're thinking there's some magic, we have to do something, or Samson does something to have his great strength. I think Samson thinks I have my great strength no matter what. I'm just strong. I think that's what he thinks. But they think there's something magical. Like if you're doing a if you're doing a magical incantation it calls for two eyes of newt. You don't put in three eyes of newt. That'll destroy it. You put in two eyes of newt. That's what they're thinking. If we just get the right formula we can destroy him, and we will beat him. So while he was sleeping, Delilah took seven braids of his head, wove them into the fabric, and tightened it with the pin. And she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep, pulled up the pin and the loom and the fabric. Um, 
I have heard the story of Goldilocks and the three bears and the three little pigs. And the first little pig didn't fare too well. The second little pig, the third little pig won the day. You know, number three is a big change. Well, Samson's now survived three times. <laughs> he should get out of there and, and go, you know something? I beat the odds. I went through three. Whoa, I, I'm, I'm safe. I should just leave it. Uh, he doesn't. Verse 15. Then she said to him, How can you say I love you when you won't confide in me? This is the third time you've made a fool of me. You haven't told me the secret of your great strength. With such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was tired to death. Um, I guess that's how you get a man to do what you want. Nag, nag, nag. It works. Work, work, work with Samson. And I think Samson's thinking, I can't lose her. What I'm getting from her, I can't lose. And so I'll do whatever she says. And she is thinking, I want money, and I want whatever I can get from him, so I will sacrifice him to get what I want. They're actually using each other. So he told her everything. No razor's ever been used on my head because I've been a Nazarite set apart to God since birth. Now that, that is the secret. It shouldn't have been a secret. She should have known that. She should have known his hair is long because he has devoted himself to God from birth and he has given himself to God no matter what. She has no clue about that. She has no clue that he has been set apart to God, supposedly living a pure life for God, and should have been from birth. And this is news to her. It shouldn't have been news. Everybody should have known it. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me, and I would become as weak as any other man. Verse 18, Delilah saw that he'd told her everything. She sent word to the rulers of the Philistines, come back once more. He's told me everything. She sees there's been a change. So the rulers of the Philistines returned with the silver in their hands. She put him to sleep on her lap, literally uh, on her knees. She called a man to shave off the seven braids of his hair and so began to subdue him and his strength left him. She called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and he thought, I'll go out as before. Shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. What was the secret to his strength? The presence of God. That was the secret to his strength. He thought, he thought it was the long hair. That was the secret. The secret wasn't the hair. The secret was the Lord. And if he has the Lord, he's going to be powerful and do what God wants him to do. The Philistines, seized, the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes, took him down to Gaza. Binding him with bronze shackles, they set him to grinding in the prison. So he is now grinding their grain 
so they can have flour. I guess that's kind of payback for the wheat fields that he burned up. But the hair on his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. Now the rulers of the Philistines assembled to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon their god and to celebrate saying, Our God has delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hands. When the people saw him, they praised their God, literally, hallelujah, their God, saying, Our God has delivered our enemy into our hands, the one who laid waste our land and multiplied our slain. Samson had his little trash talk, now they have theirs. And while they were in high spirits, they shouted, Bring out Samson to entertain us. So they called Samson out of the prison, and he performed for them. When they stood him among the pillars, Samson said to the servant who held his hand, Put me where I can feel the pillars that support the temple, so that I may lean against them. The temple was crowded with men and women. All the rulers of the Philistines were there, and on the roof were about 3,000 men and women watching Samson perform. I used to have a little uh, comic book Bible that I read as a child, and in my comic book Bible, Samson goes and puts his hands against the pillars, and then he says to the little boy, leave this place. Uh, it, it says that in the comic book. It doesn't say that in the Bible. The young lad leads him to the pillars. Verse 28, Samson prayed to the Lord, O sovereign Lord, remember me, O God. Please strengthen me just once more and let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. Samson reached toward the two central pillars on which the temple stood, bracing himself against them, his right hand on the one, his left on the other, Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. He pushed with all his might. Down came the temple on the rulers and all the people in it. Thus he killed many more when he died than while he lived. His brothers and his father's whole family went down to get him. They brought him and buried him between Zorah and Eshtaol in the tomb of Manoah, his father. He had led Israel 20 years. First of all, I've got a number of things to draw to your attention. First of all, um, Samson's uh, Nazarite vow seems to be a secret to Delilah, and that I don't think it should have been a secret. She should have already known he has devoted himself to God, and that was the key to his strength. That should not have been an unknown. Everyone should have known. He's strong because of God, and because God is his because God is with him. But his vow of separation to God was such a joke, you can't tell that to people. You can't tell people, I've been devoted to God from birth and live the way he has lived. It says something to us as Christians. We are bought with the price, the price of the blood of Jesus Christ, and are supposed to live holy, sanctified lives for him. But sometimes we have to keep that a secret from people because we don't live holy, sanctified lives for him. You would never know it by what we do or what we say or what we watch on television. 
that we are set apart to God. Our lives become something of a joke. We should be precious to God, set apart to God. People need to know that. Secondly, addiction can be very powerful to break and in the end will destroy us. And uh, this is a story about addictions. And uh, you can see it in Delilah, addiction to money or fame, addiction to power, sex, love, addictions to relationships, and maybe even an addiction to danger. I have to live the life of excitement, all found in the Samson story. And you get away with it once, and you get away with it twice, and you get away with it three times. Eventually, it catches you, and your addiction begins to destroy you. What you want so much, and what you need to have, in the end, just takes you down. Thirdly, Samson's the poster boy for the carnal Christian. Don't hear much about carnal Christians anymore. People who live according to the flesh... Just what I want. And a lot of us can be carnal Christians. Living for our passions and not the passion of God. And Samson is the best example in Scripture. He should have been a wonderful spiritual leader. He was not. He led them for 20 years, and the only leadership he ever gave them was to kill a Philistine. That's not the best leadership he could have had. It kind of knocked the Philistines back on their heels, but he could have been so much more. And about the time of Samson, there is a little boy growing up in the temple by the name of Samuel who is going to be what Samson never was. Samson should have been just like Samuel, devoted to God from birth. That was Samuel. Samson carnal, lived for his flesh. One of my favorite scripture passages about, it is, about this is 1 John 2. We uh, looked at it Wednesday night in our Bible study. Love not the world, neither the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, what is the love of the world? The lust of the flesh, what I want, what I crave, the lust of the eyes, what I like to have. And the pride of life, the pride in who I am and what I'm doing, that's the love of the world. If anyone has the love of the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You can't love God and the world. Samson, with his love for the world, was certainly not loving God. Uh, we talked about Samson being the great spiritual leader. Uh, he never was. It's, it's interesting that when Samson is strong and when Samson is powerful and he's just living in the flesh and he is accomplishing very little, but when Samson is weak, he accomplishes the most. It's funny that when his head is shaved, when he's put in chains, when his eyes are put out, he can do his best work and knock the enemy back the most. And that's the grace of God. The key was always God at work in him. Finally, 
there are similarities between Samson and Jesus. First of all, there is the contrast. Samson should have been the great spiritual leader. However, he was flawed. He was a flawed savior using sinful saving techniques. Sinful saving techniques, selfishness, um, love of the wrong women, um, sex out of marriage, revenge and anger, wrong saving techniques. He provides an imperfect salvation. In contrast, Jesus is the perfect Savior using a perfect life as a saving technique and he provides a permanent, eternal salvation. But there are similarities. Samson was most heroic in his death. He did the most to save Israel in his death. He was handed over the Gentiles and they put him to death. He was betrayed by his best friend, Delilah. Jesus was most heroic in his death. He did the most to save the world in his death. He was betrayed by a friend to his enemies, and he was put to death. Where Samson was unfaithful to God, Jesus was always faithful. And God works the best in the midst of weakness and not strength. And so God provides salvation when Jesus was at his weakest when he was beaten and when he was mocked and when he was hung on a cross and when he died, God took all of our sins and placed them on Jesus Christ, the perfect Savior, living a perfect life, effected an eternal, perfect salvation. Just a couple of days ago, I read this story in uh, Christianity Today, and I just want to read uh, just a little bit about this. We live in a world uh, addicted to sin in different ways. This is a story about Jackie Hill Perry. Jackie Hill Perry is a Christian rapper and at the time she was saved, a lesbian. God knew he wouldn't get my attention in a church. Churches didn't care too well for people like me, me being a gay girl. I was having a very unspiritual kind of night. My TV was on. The morning was hours away. My thoughts were boring and typical until they turned on me. And as suddenly and randomly as Paul was struck blind on the Damascus Road, I had the unsettling thought that my sin would be the death of me. Prior to that moment, the sin I wore on my sleeve was that of a lesbian a label I had the courage to give myself at age 17. This, this label described an affection I noticed before I knew how to spell my name. When it happened on the playground, I didn't know what it was. I didn't quite understand why girls made me feel different. I liked girls. I knew it. I don't want to be straight, I said to God, meaning every single word. But the conviction I experienced in my room was not only unexpected, it was also unwelcome. I had heard more times I cared to count that what seemed to be a natural enough expression of love was in fact unnatural, flat-out abominable. 
I'd grown up in the traditional black church where sermons were presented in a Mount Sinai kind of way, loud and heavy. In fact, having seen God's words for myself, I never once had felt the need to question whether what he said was true. So when my thoughts spoke of my sin, which I knew to be a prompting from God, not my subconscious behaving unnaturally, I wasn't offended by the idea of my identity being a product of sin. What offended me most was the idea that it was to be the death of me. Because if that were true, then surely I would be asked to lay it aside for the sake of life. I loved my girlfriend too much not to be appalled at the prospect of laying aside not only the way I loved but also who I loved. To do what I assumed God would have me do meant leaving the woman whose voice and body and mind had been mine to hold and to keep. To those who had heterosexual eyes, our love was a strange thing. To us, it was normal. To me, what I knew to be God calling to myself sounded an awful lot like God calling me to be straight, as if it was his only intention were to transform me partially. But that was far from the truth. Though God was very concerned with how I lived out my sexuality, he was just as concerned with what I did with my hands and if my fingerprints would be found on anything righteous. He was just as concerned with my mind and how it held hell in at all times. He cared deeply that I used my mouth in a manner that showed some awareness that he was always listening. Homosexuality might have been my loudest sin. It was not my only sin. God was not about setting me free from one form of slavery to leave me enslaved to other idols. By calling me to himself, he was after my whole heart. His intention was to turn it toward him, transform it as only he could, enabling me to be holy in how I expressed my sexuality and everything else. When God saves, he saves holistically. So my repentance would not be singular. That night, I knew that that it wasn't just my sexuality that had me at odds with God. It was my entire heart. I sat up in my bed, thought deeply about all that was happening in me. I'd known about God for so long, but now it seemed as if God was inviting me to know Him, to love Him, to walk with Him, to be in relationship with Him. That moment, that epiphany left my sin that my sin left untreated would be the death of me. Finally, she says, I just got to live for God now. That's what she said to her partner. I said it with a tear-broken voice. A new identity was to come after I hung up. Uh, Today, God is calling you to himself. To himself. And there are all kinds of things that can keep you from Him. The sins of your heart, the sins of your mind, the sins of your body. It could be any of them, and it is all of them. And He is asking you today to repent. Otherwise, your sin will be the death of you. It will be the death of you. Not only will you die in this life, you die in the next, apart from God. 
So this morning, this is the day to not be like Samson, to not be caught in the same old life, but to give yourself to God. Do it before the fourth time. 